0: From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Measured Thoughts on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here's your host, David Reepstein. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Measured Thoughts on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. I'm your host, Dave Reepstein, a professor of marketing here at the Wharton School, and I'm joined, as always, in studio by my co-host, Sunil Betty, who is a PhD candidate in uh, marketing and business ethics. Uh, here at at the Wharton School. We're live every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern and on Sirius XM channel 132 where you must be listening right now. And Sunil, welcome. Glad to have you in the studio. With glad,
1: me. glad to be back. It's been a while since we've both uh, been in the studio.
0: It has been a bit. I've been away, and you've been away, and uh, things have been happening. Yeah. Tell you a funny thing happened to me this weekend. Oh, what's that? Um, so this weekend I was in the gym. Okay. And somebody asked me, so how's the beginning of the new semester? And I said, it's Groundhog's Day. And uh, and she said, it is. And it's and like puzzling, thinking, well, when's Groundhog's Day and everything? Yeah, was, no, but so I'm referring I, so, to the movie, is that what you're referring I, I, I to? I was referring to it's the same scene over yeah. and over again. So I've been here at the beginning of the semester for a few years now. Just for, a couple. Uh, just a couple. Yeah. And it's it's always great seeing the, the I, I want to say the hordes of students, that has negative connotations. The influx, I would say But influx. the influx of students is a good way to put it. And there's all this energy and Every year when they come, they're the same age. You know, it's, is it, true. it's sort of as interesting to see that, but it's great. And, and it's a great time of year to be here. Everybody enthusiastic to be here, a Absolutely. little bit nervous about being here. It's great. Um, so fun, fun to get the semester started and everything. Sure. We've got a good show today, too. Who do we got today? So we've got two segments of the show. And in, in the first half of the show, we've got Ross Kimborowski who happens to be the founder and CEO of Crowdspring. And, and Crowdspring is a company that basically is a, an open marketplace. They've got a whole bunch of, of freelance providers that sure. are available online, and companies go to them and ask them, you know, hey, create a logo or something. Mm-hmm. And, and I say, or something, some creative marketing aspect. And so we're gonna do that in, in the first half. And what I'm hoping for is that people will call in in the second half and give me their favorite logos. I wanna know what's your favorite corporate logo, and actually you can also provide for me What's your worst logo? Which logo do you think, oh, Ooh. my gosh, when I see that, my nose just goes, oh, man. I like that. I like that. Yeah, so hopefully we'll get some uh, some good ideas on that. And I've got a quiz for you prepped up, Uh-oh. which I'm going to ask you, what, okay. are the, what are the most notable, so, noticeable logos? So we're going to have right. to see about Sounds that. Great. But before we go any further, I want to get to our guests. But before we do that, I re- want to remind our audience that you're listening to Measured Thoughts on SiriusXM. 132 Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. You can give us a call at 1-844-WHARTON. That's 1-844-942-7866. You can email us at businessradio at SiriusXM.com. You can follow us on Twitter at bizradio132. But without further ado, let me turn to our guest, Ross Kimborowski, uh, founder and CEO of CrowdSpring. Ross, welcome. Thanks
1: so much, David Sunil. Happy to be here talking to you and your audience.
0: Well, really glad to have you on the air with us, and very excited about your particular business. And so let's let's start with an understanding. What were you doing? As I've looked at your background, I think it's really interesting. What were you doing before you started CrowdSpring?
1: I was a partner in a Chicago law firm. So I spent 13 years as a trial attorney, and uh, uh, like most mid-sized, small, mid-sized businesses, we wanted to redesign our website. Uh, And uh, we did what many businesses do. We created an RFP, request for proposals. Our our was more, more complicated than normal. It was a bigger site. And we talked to vendors. We interviewed them. We picked the best one and then waited for a few months for them to come back with designs. And we were very unhappy. I was unhappy with the design. We spent a lot of money and uh, the work product was terrible. And that is, unfortunately, a very common process when you go out and hire an agency or hire designers because you don't have any choice and you have a lot of risk. So in my frustration, I went home and spent half the night researching how we can create a better process. And uh, so we, we started working on CrowdSpring in 2006, uh, launched it in 2008, and today uh, CrowdSpring has 210,000 designers and namers from 195 wow. countries, Wow. That's helping great. clients from uh, over 100 countries with logo design, web design, print design, and even naming companies and
0: products. Uh, so that's absolutely fascinating to me. I wanted Sunil to be able to hear that you were a lawyer and that lawyers can do something productive because Sunil happens <laughs> to be a lawyer uh, and and now he's seen the light and is moving to becoming a marketing professor. But I, I, I thought your background would be particularly interesting for us to, to hear. And then you, you, you did the right thing. You got us to start to understand what Crowdspring is all about. How much of the overall work that is being done is on logo creation, which is what your initial sort of interest was?
1: So logos represent a very significant portion of our business, probably 70 plus percent of the business. Uh, that's that's for an early business, if you think about it, You need a name, and then you need some branding, which is the way that, that entrepreneurs, business owners start to differentiate themselves. And then beyond that, you get into marketing materials, websites, signage, business cards, and such. So, so logos, because of the importance in branding, represent a big piece of our business and a big challenge for companies large and small.
0: So one of the things that you mentioned was when you were interested in it for your law firm you were frustrated by how long it took from when you first asked till it finally got done. How how long, what's the average length of time that it takes from when somebody comes to Crowdspring and says, here's the specs of what it is that I'm looking for before they actually get a design that they can use?
1: So this is one of the things that we turned on its head. We, we wanted to free businesses from high prices, risk, and lack of choice. So in my case, when I, when I did that RFP, it took months. On Crowdspring, you can get finished designs in as little as one day.
0: Whoa. Most of oh, our wow.
1: projects last seven days. And here is the, the difference, the big differentiator, and I could talk about others. Normally, when you hire a designer or an agency, you're going to wait for a period of time for them to give you one, two, maybe three variations on a design. You're working with a single freelancer, typically. On Crowdspring, when you post your project... We take you to a specialized Q&A, so we help you create your requirements, and that takes just a few minutes. And then we broadcast it to our 210,000 designers. So during your one to seven days, you are working with dozens of different designers who are creating your logo for your business. So it's not that they're bidding, you set your price. You say, this is how much I wanna pay, and prices start at $299 in logo projects, which is about five to 50 times cheaper than what you would pay in the market. And so instead of looking at bids and proposals, you're looking at actual designs for your business. It's like buying a television in a store. It's like buying jeans or a shirt that you like. You pick the one you love. You have a chance to iterate. And it could be quick, one to seven days, and and then we take you to a private project wrap-up where in as little as a couple of hours, typically one or two days, you get all of the final deliverable files.
0: And the person who ended up developing that logo is the one who gets the reward?
1: Exactly. So we have a variety of different projects. In most projects, there's a group of designers, 12, 15, 20, 30 or more designers working. If you have a single award in your project, then one person will get it, the the person who wins. And so the $299 price point I mentioned, $200 of that is the award to the winning designers. We have many clients who post multiple awards in a project. Sometimes they need complementary branding. Sometimes they're looking for brochures or online um, designs for ads, and so they want to test different variations. So they might have two, three, four. We've had many 50 awards in a single project. We also have a special category of projects called elite projects where you're working with five of our best designers. Each one of them gets paid. So your fee, which is fixed, you only pay a single fee, is divided amongst them. And that incentivizes them to do good work. And finally, we have private projects, one-to-one projects, where you could hire a single designer to do something very specific. So you may have a logo and you want to pretty it up for the holidays and put some snow on it or snowman you don't necessarily need to see 50 different designs. You want to work with one great designer that can execute that for you, or if you already have a vision. So lots of different ways to work with people to create a brand that works for you.
0: So one of the things I'm, cu- I'm curious about is you've got 210,000 designers that are connected on uh, on Crowdspring. It, 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 there's a limited number that actually get an award. So how do you keep the all of them engaged? Uh, because most of the time I'm working on designs and I've got so much competition out there, I never I never get the prize. So I, I'm real curious how you keep them engaged.
1: It's an interesting question. It's the first question we asked when we started thinking about this business and how we flipped the existing model upside down. Um, we wanted to find out why they continue working. So a designer who doesn't live in a major city or isn't working for a major design firm, has very limited opportunities to find clients. So your listeners may be in a small town somewhere. They may be overseas, who, and they don't have access to designers. Some of your listeners may be designers who don't have access to clients. And what we found is that designers would le- rather do work and let their work speak for themselves as they're marketing than create marketing proposals over and over and over and compete on price. And so that's never been an issue for us. We have clear and fair rules. We, take, we give you all the project management tools to, to keep everything tidy, all the file transfers. We give both sides a customized legal agreement that protects the intellectual property. And so designers are perfectly comfortable building their businesses on Crowdspring, working with many clients. Um, we don't restrict their communications. In fact, we thought they would work together in a project on Crowdspring and then continue to work together outside of Crowdspring. What we found is that both designer and client came back to us. This is right after we launched 10 years ago and said, we love your tools. We love the way that we can engage on Crowdspring. We love that we get a free legal crowd contract and, and all the project management is here. Can we continue to work privately together um, on future work? And so we created this one-to-one category of projects where you can hire a designer, that you've never worked with before, or continue working with a designer that just did well in your project, and you still have access to the same exact tools. You have access to the, the free legal contract, uh, the file transfers, and of course our, our customer support.
0: So, so it's, doesn't it's a good that way for them. doesn't that run you out of business? You're sort of being dis- uh, intermediated because now you know the designers are working directly with the company, and they've they've taken you out of the middle.
1: Well, we, we when they post their follow-on projects on Crowdspring, we t- still take a small fee for that. So, so we continue to stay involved. We continue to help, and we found that more often than not, they prefer to continue working together on Crowdspring. There are challenges when you're working with a designer who's not sitting next to you. You have to move large files. You have to pay them, and then there's the risk of non-payment. You need to protect your project with a sure. legal contract. You need to figure out their designs. We have tools that have won many awards that make this process really easy. So if you think about a business owner, would they rather spend their time focusing on the core parts of their business where they could make a big difference or figuring out how to manage a design project? And so in our case, we, we, we guessed correctly that most business owners want great design because, because strong design helps them increase revenues and makes their businesses better. But they don't want to invest the time to figure out how to manage these projects, how sure. to move large files, how to pay. And, and that's why we found that people actually come back and do these projects privately on CloudSpring.
0: Okay, in- interesting. Um, I want to remind our audience that we're you're listening to Measured Thoughts with Dave Reepstein on Sirius XM 132, business radio powered by the Wharton School. We're in here together with Sunil Betty and you can give us a call, 1-844-WARDEN, that's 1-844-942-7866, and we're currently speaking with Ross Kimbarovsky, who is the founder and CEO of Crowdspring. Ross, um, question, so let, let's take, for example, the two ninety nine dollars package, um, and just for our viewers uh, who might be actually interested in it, can
1: you take us through, just step by step, the process of how you would hire, how they would use your, your website, and then, one thing I'm kind of interested in that I think you might lose, and I'm wondering how you speak to this, um, when you are talking to an ad agency, you get to go back and forth, right? They create something, you iterate. They create something, you iterate. Do you guys have that process, even in, let's say, the lower tier models, the lower tier um, packages, where after you've decided, oh, I like this, this logo, this designer, I want to iterate on this? Um, is that built into, the, uh, uh, built into the app or built into the, the platform? Yes, iteration is built into crowdspring.com both it, during your project as well as when you pick the winner, you continue to iterate and tweak that design in wrap-up. So let me take you through that process so you understand it. Because ultimately, this is the challenge for businesses. If you think about it, it takes consumers about 10 seconds to form an impression of a brand's logo. And so so you want to have a professional design. It's really important to have a brand that's strong. So when you post a project on CrowdSpring, um, you have a variety of price points to pick from. Two ninety-nine dollars 99 is our entry price point. It's good for most, most people and most companies. You get roughly about 60-plus designs. You're going to work with a dozen or, or more designers. Um, we also give you, in, in that category of projects, one free focus group. So when you finish your project, before you decide on a winner, you can actually share publicly or privately a special link that we give you so that people could come in and vote and give you feedback on your favorite design. So you can create a focus group of your favorite designs, share it with your customers, share it with your uh, employees, share it with your family, whoever you want. You can also, in other categories of projects, get unlimited focus groups. So you can do multiple ones. You can do private ones and public ones. At any rate, you post your project. If it's a logo project, we'll ask you a series of questions. This process takes about five minutes. We'll ask you about the colors that you like. We'll ask you about your company. We'll ask you about your clients. We've honed these questions over a period of ten years, so they changed over time. And now we feel we have a pretty good baseline of questions. Uh, you'll pay, so we take money in advance, so we can escrow it. Although we offer a 100% money-back guarantee, and it's simple. There are no uh, there are no restrictions and, and no asterisks on this guarantee. If you're not happy with the final design. You can get 100% of your money back, including our fees. That's how strongly we feel about our product service. You post a project. We immediately broadcast this project to our community. And people who are interested to participate come in and start submitting designs. So you pick one to seven days, and most people will pick seven days because that's a good turnaround time. You start seeing designs from designers, and when you get a design, we'll let you know by email that you have a new design. You can score that design from one to five stars you can give narrative feedback to that design and when you do the designer will typically iterate so you can say there are certain things i like certain things i don't like can i see this in a different variation in a different color can i see it with a different image and so throughout that seven days you're iterating with multiple different designers on the designs that are coming in and when you finally get to a point where you love one design you pick it as, as the winning design. And, and before that, as I mentioned earlier, you can go to a, a focus group and, and poll your, your friends, your customers. When you pick your winning design, we take you to a private wrap-up where you and the designer can continue to tweak. And that includes a proof stage where that designer will, after the tweak, submit a proof sheet that says, here's what I intend to create for you in all of the final files. Because the final file formats in these projects are going to be very specific. In Logos, for example, you want a vector file, meaning you can resize it to any size without losing legibility and readability. So you could put it on a big billboard and a small business card. So you'll approve the proofs, and then you'll go to the final files, and you'll get a set of final files that you'll need. We actually specify the final files you'll get, but clients that have very particular requirements can request their own formats as well. And once you sign off and approve the final files, we take care of paying the winning designer. You both also get assigned customized legal contract for that project transferring the full intellectual property rights to the design to the client. So at the end of the project the designer signs off their intellectual property rights, the client gets full intellectual property rights and all of the designs we pay the designer. Well you've
0: got Back that pro- you've product. got that process totally down. I'm, I'm I'm quite impressed by that. You know one of the things I was going to be asking and you and you answered that I'm still going to ask though which is the vetting of the designs. You you get a design, and before I you know totally commit to it, or maybe I pick three designs. I'd like to get you know sort of my target market's reaction to it. Do you have any process for people to more broadly look at it, or I, I've heard in other circumstances where one sends out the finalists to another set of designers and they vote on which ones they like the most. I sort of like the idea of doing it with your target market more, but do you have anything like that beyond just the focus group?
1: So, so that is our focus group tool. You can actually create a focus group and send it out and broadcast it to designers. You can create a focus group and send it out and broadcast to your employees. You can send it to your customers. You can have a mix of private and public focus groups, which we have uh, many, many clients uh, use. So they'll send... They can take a link, a private link to a focus group, and instead of publicly sharing it, send it to their trusted people, their advisors, consultants, who they understand the specific nature of the business. So so what you do with it is really up to you. We give you the tools and a link to the designs that you picked as your favorites, and then you're able to quickly get input on those designs. Also, you as the client have a choice. You can have a public gallery or a private gallery, meaning that everybody can see the designs in your gallery or nobody can see the designs in your gallery. So if you want to invite people broadly to your gallery and you have a public gallery, you have every right to do it. It's your project. Because we deal with so many startups and bigger businesses and agencies, some of our projects have non-disclosure agreements and
0: private galleries,
1: so that makes it impossible to do. So you'd use the focus group tool and share it privately with certain people. Sure, I
0: like I like it. It sounds it sounds good. You've got a great process down and a great way to getting feedback. I'm curious, how many of your clients are looking for a redesign of their existing logo? I've got a logo. Um, I'm an ongoing business and. Uh, I'm sort of tired of my logo. And, and by the way, I will tell you, you know, I've been here at the Wharton School for a number of years. We've changed our logo um, during that time. And we've changed sort of the font that's being used. It's not modern enough. We need, you know, often when a new dean comes in, uh, we got to issue new tires and new stationery. And, you know, I want a new logo that's going to happen. How often does that happen? And how many of your clients are redesigned?
1: So it in increasing amount. Um, And and this is driven by a few things. First of all, people are visual. Uh, So our brains process images 60,000 times faster than we process words. So many companies choose to include some kind of graphical elements in their logos. And the trend has been to simplify logos because there's so much competition for visual imagery, particularly branding, that, that the more complicated logos of the past have become difficult. They're difficult to read. They're difficult to remember. And we're seeing more and more business owners with established businesses taking a look at their logos and saying, we need to do something better. So we're seeing big brands obviously do it. And we, we work with, with Fortune 500 as well uh, at agencies. But we're seeing more and more startups and small businesses take a look. And we recently did it a year ago with our own logo. We we wanted to simplify our own brand. And we've always had a text logo. Early on, we also had a had a mark that we were using, but we wanted to make it cleaner, crisper, and modernize it. At the end of the day, iconic logos are iconic because they can withstand the test of time, but, but most logos are not iconic, and so it's, an, it's a challenge for businesses to create something that, that could really do what the logo needs to do, which is it has to embody your brand, it has to be instantly recognizable, it has to be versatile and timeless. Everything else about a logo is optional, and the problem for many businesses is their their old logos just don't do those four
0: things. So, when does a company know that I need to redesign my logo?
1: So sometimes it's feedback from your clients or prospective clients who are telling you that your brand just doesn't look professional. Oftentimes, you can take a look at some of the best logos in the world, uh, and uh, and. And compare what you're doing to them. So so we frequently write about this in the Crowdspring blog. It's Crowdspring.com/slash blog, where we look at some of the world's best brands and, and, and why they're good.
0: So in your um, in your opinion, what are the best logos in the world?
1: So so a few good examples. Nike has a terrific logo. Amazon has a terrific logo that that's fun. You've got you've got uh, a couple things going on. First of all, it's it's not a word attached to a store traditionally. You have the the sort of the arrow that co- goes under the, the A to Z, which is also a smiley face. So you have some interesting visual elements to that logo. FedEx has a phenomenal logo. There's a hidden element in it that many people sure. don't know. There's an arrow. Um, and so now these are logos created by companies that have spent hundreds of millions or billions of dollars on marketing and advertising. So it's unfair to hold smaller companies to the same standard. But... The important thing in looking at the best logos is to ask, what, what do they have and what do they not have? And so the three that I just mentioned are simple. They are versatile because you can put the Nike swoosh on a big billboard, and it's recognizable, or in a small business card. They are timeless because none of these companies – Nike did go through some changes in the very beginning, but ultimately their logo has stood the test of the many, many decades – uh, they're instantly recognizable today, so when you see a Nike logo or a FedEx logo or an Amazon log, logo, you're not going to confuse them for another business, and, and they are reflective of their brand. The challenge for a lot of business owners, and the reason why we have had so such much so success in Crowdsburg.com is that historically – if people couldn't afford to hire an agency who's going to charge them twenty-five dollars to $50,000 for branding, they might look at some templates, or they might go to an online logo maker, which will charge them $100, dollars dollars But what they're getting is a generic template design. You can't trademark it. It looks like tens of thousands of other businesses. It doesn't set you apart, which means that you're doing your business harm rather than good when you create a generic logo. And that's one of the problems we wanted to solve.
0: Sure. So we're, we're currently speaking with Ross Kimbrowski, uh, Kimbrowski, uh, Kim excuse me, who is the founder and CEO of Crowdspring. And you're listening to Measured Thoughts on Sirius XM at channel 132 on Business Radio powered by the Wharton School. Um, you're, Ross, you're not going to like my next question. Um, I'm going to say, I don't think the logo makes much difference. And that is like, oh, my gosh, how, how could I possibly say that? So I want, I want you to convince me otherwise. Um, the issue is, I, I, and it, you sort of commented about that, these other companies that have got notorious logos, they've spent millions, maybe even billions, you said, doing some advertising. And so the question is, that logo ends up being known. And, and the first one that you mentioned, actually, was Nike, it's it's a swoosh, right? And we've known it as as a swoosh. So the question is, did that mean anything? If if somebody else had come up with that as a swoosh, would that have really worked? Or do you make it into something that is powerful? And so that's that's my question. I'm hoping you can convince me. No logos really make a difference. So,
1: so I think the best way I could answer that, first of all, to agree. That, that your brand is much more than your name and your logo. Simply giving somebody a visually interesting logo does not create a world-class brand. It requires much more than that. It requires consistency. It requires creating a vision for the company. It requires the, the copy, the voice that you use. But, but it starts with a strong name and a strong logo. So if you think about purchasing decisions, if we look at the psychology of purchasing, 90% of all purchasing decisions are made subconsciously, okay? So when people look at a product or a service, much of how they evaluate that decision is subconscious, and that's that's emotional. We react emotionally to many things. So we can react emotionally to a name, we can react emotionally to a, a, a word, or an image and a logo. And one of the important things about branding, at least the way I look at branding. Branding does two things. You know, What does the logo signify? It's the emotional reaction that you feel when you see somebody's logo. So in the case of Nike, what do you feel when you see that logo versus a brand that you don't like? And the second is, what is your expectation of the products or services from that company based on seeing that logo? So when you first start out, There is no connection between your customer or prospective customer and your brand because it's new. Your logo is new. Your name is new. But this is why I say that a logo is much more than – rather, a brand is much more than a logo. But it's really important because I mentioned earlier that it takes consumers 10 seconds to form a first impression of your logo. If your logo is poor, if it looks like it was designed by uh, somebody in Microsoft Paint – People are going to have a very poor first impression of your business. It doesn't matter if your business is large or small. So you can have big brands. Like one example of a poorly executed logo today is um, Kumon, K-U-M-O-N, which is a tutoring organization. I have a strange O that that looks like it was drawn by a kid, but it doesn't generate excitement or trust in either the parents or the kids. And so, so this is an opportunity for you to communicate something there's a significant element in color in the way you use your brand logo because different colors have a huge impact on how people emotionally react to what they're seeing. And so ultimately you are 100% right that a logo doesn't make a world-class brand, but you can't create a strong brand without a good name.
0: Totally agree. and,
1: And without a symbol, which is really your logo that defines, because you can't be out there every time, giving people paragraphs of information about your brand if you get to a point where you can simply show your logo your name or show an element of your logo in nike's case the swoosh and get that same reaction from your customers or prospective customers it means you've achieved what, what i mentioned earlier which is it's recognizable it's versatile it's timeless and it creates that reaction it's memorable because if you don't have a good logo fundamentally let's take it at the baseline People won't remember your business, and if your logo is confusing, they won't be able to tell others about it because they won't remember the name, they won't really know how to communicate it, and they won't be able to describe it, which is why the iconic logos, the ones that we think of as some of the best, IBM is a good example of that, are simple, easy, you could tell somebody else, I saw this logo and here's what it was, it was just the letters IBM, and there were some creative elements in it. If you look at examples, and there are so many of them, of bad template-based logos online, they're just unreadable. You don't understand the words. You don't understand the imagery. They're too busy. And if you're looking at it for a split second, you don't even get a chance to take in the information that it's communicating.
0: Can, can we ever measure what the impact is of a logo?
1: So. There have been measurements, and ultimately, you know, the question is whether these measurements are applicable across different size businesses. So, so for example, I mentioned earlier that uh, 10 seconds consumers make a first impression of a brand's logo, and there's been some studies done uh, that measured this uh, through research. Um, the same studies, as well as other studies, have said it takes about five to seven impressions for consumers to recognize the logo. So, that goes back to What we just talked about, which is the first time a new consumer sees your logo, one of your clients, do they remember it? And the answer is probably not. It takes five to seven times to get it in front of them, which is why consistency is so important and why, to your earlier question, so many businesses are starting to rebrand. Because what they've been doing online is they've been using one logo on their website, a different logo on their business cards, a third variation in their social networks. They're all different. People are confused. And so, what they're trying to do now is create a singular identity that they could use across social networks, across print and the web. Because once a client or prospect sees your brand five to seven times, as long as the brand is simple and clear, they start remembering it. And if they start remembering it, it means they'll think about it next time they need a product or service you offer. Or if a friend says, I'm looking for X, they could tell that friend, I saw a company that seems to do really well in that.
0: Yeah, and I, and I think there is that association, the familiarity and association is really, really what's powerful and, and there might be some measures around familiarity and association that could be uh, very useful for you. So I, I think that's one thing that really could come up. Uh, this may be my last question for you, uh, which is how important is color in that and, and the consistency of that color?
1: So pretty important, um, a, a signature color. So so a, a color that is very well connected to your brand can increase brand recognition by 80%. So one good example of that is the Starbucks green. We all right. see the Starbucks logo on, on these cups. Now, oftentimes, if we're a couple of feet away from a person, we know it's a Starbucks logo. But if I'm walking across the street and I see somebody carrying a green cup and a circular logo that's uh, that's green...
0: Absolutely. Uh,
1: Absolutely. I immediately think of Starbucks, and so color is so critical, and, and we actually uh, very recently wrote a few articles about, uh, about this on the CrowdSpring blog at crowdspring.com slash blog about the ways that color so, – so in logos, it's colors, shapes, it's lines, it's fonts. All of those are critically important, but color in a brand is, is especially important, and color consistency is even more important.
0: I um, t- totally agree with you on that. It's a fascinating business that you've got. And what you've said is you've created a business that is much faster in delivering logos. It is much less expensive. And you give your clients many, many choices. I think, I think you've got a great thing going. So uh, really glad to have you on the air and be able to share that. We're going to need to take a, a short break. But thank you very much, Ross, for, uh, for joining us. Uh, when we get back after our break, we're going to take your calls on anything related to marketing. We're going to start with uh, any ideas about logos and uh, any logos that you could think of that happen to be really good and maybe even some that you don't like that are there. But anything uh, else that you might have questions about with respect to branding and uh, and metrics, we're going to take in the second segment of the program. If you want to join the conversation when we come back, you can give us a call at 1-844-WHARTON. That's one 942 7866 or you can send us an email at businessradio at SiriusXM.com. This is Business Radio powered by the Wharton School on Sirius XM 132.